Welcome to the Grog Talk with your hosts, Dan and James. Hi, welcome to Grog Talk. I'm James. I'm Dan. And this is episode three, where we're going to take Glades and Pixie through an adventure and give you a chance to experience first edition as it was played, hopefully back in the 80s, and how we've played it uh, when we started again back a couple years ago. It's about time. I'm ready, yes. I'm ready to adventure. That's right. So um, just a little uh, kind of, for those who have not played first edition, I'm going to kind of discuss some terms that may come up and kind of the style that we're going to do. So uh, just remember, uh, Dan is the player. Uh, and he's going to control uh, the player characters, and these are the these are the characters that are under his control. And I am what's called the dungeon master, and, and you know that because I have an official dungeon master screen that is back in the day. And uh, the idea is I'm the referee, and I'm the one who provides the framework for the storytelling. And so, typically, what would happen for those aspiring dungeon masters is the dungeon master lays out the scene. The players, player or players, in this case Dan, with his two player characters, would describe what the players do, and then I would figure out what those actions do to the environment, and then pr- provide uh, the response. And then it's a series of those steps that happen. Um, so all the other characters that are, are seen or I describe that are not player characters are called non-player characters, NPC. So if you hear NPC or PC or you, you'll also hear you a lot of times, or maybe Dan says I, it may mean I, Dan, or I, his characters that he's running. In most adventures, the the players only play one character, but in this case, to have a, more of a party, he's going to run two characters, which is also acceptable. So, uh, Dan, you know, you're, uh, it's, again, like we've talked about, fairly new to say you've uh, been a new DM for just a couple of years since you started up again. Yep. So what is one of the biggest tips, you know, being that you're still a new DM, but you've now run for two years pretty much consistently, that when you started, what was things you would have liked to know when you, if we went now that you've started being a DM for a while? Yeah, so I think that when I first started DMing uh, about two years ago, I, it really bothered me if I didn't know about all the backstory and the connection. So yeah, I was running modules, right? pre-written adventures. And it bothered me if I didn't know all the backstory, all the connections, if there's too many gaps in the adventure. And I think now I realize a lot of the fun of DMing is, is to make those connections and to not be concerned about changing things up. You don't have to run these adventures as written. Um, you want to make it a fun adventure, and and I think another thing I've learned too is I think I remember some reference online to I think the rule of cool, yeah, which is that if when you are dealing with a situation in a game, uh, have that situation unfold in a way that's cool. Don't worry so much about things always having to be by the book. Uh, you know, are you feeling okay about saying that? Yeah, because I think I think that. It can be by the book to not be by the book, and I don't know if that would require an entire episode to discuss. That, that is a, a, be a series by the book by not being by the book. Exactly right. So I think it can be by the book by not being by the book. Okay, but, but I I think that's I think that's I, I think 
back then if I'd known, look, you know, fill in gaps as you see fit, make changes, the rule of cool. I think that's the most important thing I've learned over the past close to two years. Very good. And and just one more thing before we start is I think, Dan, I do share um, we kind of prioritize the rules as written where it's clear and explicit. We want to follow them. Um, uh, that's kind of first. The second, uh, because the, the the game doesn't devolve into a bunch of storytelling and creative writing. If if uh, the only the only reason it doesn't do that is it only if you hold to the rules, or else it just becomes superheroes and everything else. And there's nothing wrong with that style of play, but that's not the way it appears in the book. Um, and I think from our background, we played with people who just basically gave everything away, do whatever they wanted. And we always, at least I always felt that wasn't the way to play. Um, so, but there's going to be situations where you don't know, uh, the rules are not clear and then you're going to have to adjudicate based on the style of play. So, um, hopefully this will give you a taste of what first edition is. And, um, today we're going to just go over a a little bit, play a little bit, and then kind of talk a little bit what it is. And then uh, over the next series, we're going to kind of delve into the three major areas um, uh, that typically have an adventure. You must gather your party before venturing forth. So the party gathers, and this is the introduction. Are you ready? Yes, Pixie's ready, Glade's ready. Okay, so Pixie and Glade's, after heading out from their homeland, after deciding that the Painting and hunting was not their forte. They've struck out to adventure, and on their way to the major capital, they end up in a small hamlet in an inn, the Rusty Dagger Inn. Uh, it's them themselves uh, with the bartender, Rufus, and it's near evening, and they're finishing their last pints. Uh, there's no one else in the bar except Rufus, who's I, wearily eyeing them, hoping that they will go retire to their bed that they've paid for. But uh, Glades and Pixie are having a good time drinking and thinking of their next plans when the door, front door opens and a panicked, elderly, middle-aged man, very strong, walks in and says, Someone must help me! My daughter is missing! He, start, he starts looking around, uh, wild-eyed, looking for any help. He fixes them on the strangers and he runs up to uh, Pixie and Glades and says, You must help me. My daughter is missing. Glade says, Dear sir, this is terrible news. Uh, what can you tell me about her? When did you last see her? Oh, just this just this morning. She was doing her chores. I am, I am John, the blacksmith. Well, and my daughter, Elisa, she was doing her chores, preparing for the morning supper. I heard a scream from the forest. I went out. I could not find her. I've, everyone in the hamlet has said, oh, she is lost to wolves. So I ran up here to the tavern, and I beseech you, please help me. Can I, can I talk off, you know, off the sure. record here for a second? So I think for me now, when I play these characters, what becomes important is to remember what their alignments are. Right. Uh, and if I recall correctly, Glade is chaotic good, has to be a good alignment. Right. Because Glade is a ranger, and uh, Pixie, chaotic neutral. So Glade is going to be a little bit more of the good one, obviously. Uh, Pixie, not so much. So, okay, so so back into story. I just wanted to mention what is, as I play these characters, right. what's going through my mind. And, and that's a good point. You know, unlike other uh, systems, you don't have a detailed backstory. We come from the school. The adventure 
formulates the backstory, the circumstances. And that's why alignment is so important because at least it starts framing what it is. And then during game, you're going to start figuring out what kind of personality they have. So, so Glade says to John, the blacksmith, we will, of course, investigate and do what we can to find um, Alyssa. Alyssa. Yes, my daughter Alyssa. She is... She is such a beautiful thing. She's my only, after my wife passed, she's the only memory of her. It would be tragic. I would be lost. I could not live without her. Pixie says, is there a reward? And Glade immediately jabs with his elbow, her elbow, into Pixie's side. And Pixie then sort of stops talking. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what's called a reaction roll based on... Pixie's uh, charisma. So what is her charisma? Uh, his. Remember, his. I'm P- sorry, Pixie's his. I, gonna, I know, yes, the I, names are terrible because Glade is a female. It seems like it should be opposite. And, Pic- I, and I shouldn't Pixies. just use the genders. I should just use their names. And Thank you. Have that problem. What Pixie's is Pixie's charisma, charisma is an 11. Okay. Which sounds low, but it's... It's, it's, a, it's, it's slightly above average. Thank you. Okay, so uh, in the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's reaction rolls. And again, normally uh, I would have a general sense of uh, the higher charisma have, the more likely the reaction of someone to what the person, uh, the character is saying will be favorable. So in this case, I rolled extremely high. And the fact that uh, John is distressed, I said, oh, yes, whatever I have is yours if you bring her back alive. Glade says, please do not worry about that now. What is most important is that we find Alyssa and Pixie gives sort of a, a scowl at Glade. And Glade says, yes, show us where you last heard her in the forest. Oh, yes, of course. And um, so you you follow John Runs and he, you're able to keep up with him. It's about uh, a 40-minute run back to his blacksmith shop. And he has a small shack of a... Of a, a domicile next to the blacksmith and you notice that the blacksmith's uh area and the the shack that he lives in is very close to the edge of the forest and what time was that did you tell us it uh it's it's near it's near evening near evening so it's probably 4 30 well it's a little bit later it's like 7 30 now glade says to john the blacksmith <clears throat> Why was she in the forest? Was she there doing some sort of chores, or is that where she was just heard? No, she was picking fire for the for the morning supper. Can you take? Do you know where she would have been picking fire, or just somewhere in the forest here? Uh well, so you see that the, at least right by the house, there's a there's a path that's been worn from from either Alyssa or John collecting wood. She, he goes about thirty feet, and all I heard was the scream. John John says the scream was from here, but it was somewhere. You know, I don't know how far deep. In and, and while there may be a slight trail, it's not sure uh, if that's the trail that they, if anyone went from that point. Now, I'd like to go off the record for a second because one of the things that I didn't mention to you, which I think is important, and we'll have to see how you as a DM play this, is that you're pick, a limner? That I, exactly, that I, <laughs> that I would want to spend some time first painting a miniature before. Could, yes, could you do an artist rendition of Alyssa? Right, exactly. As, as a right, figurine. right. As she's being tortured and killed, right. I'm, I'm painting. <laughs> Pixie, Pixie's a magic user, a spellcaster. Yes. 
Pixie is supposed to memorize a spell. That is correct. And I did not tell you at the outset of this game what spells Pixie had memorized. This is very important as a player. And also Blades. That's right, a cleric, right? Because that's right, we've got multi-class. I didn't tell you that. Right. So now I, at this, this is where the player would sort of beg forgiveness from the DM, um, hope that the DM is a kind DM, and say, what, can I tell you what spells I had memorized, or are you going to say, I didn't tell you, so I don't have them? This would this would be your call as a DM, right? And either way would be fairly legitimate, right? right? No, I would say that you would, uh, if if we were planning, we would I would have asked you for memorization of spells. So you may pick, uh, you may have one spell, um, or you have the spells that you would normally memorize. Uh, so I assume that would be sleep. I think uh, that's fair to say. Game. I would have liked, I would have picked something different now, but that's only because I know the situation. So and it would have been uh, cure light wounds. Right. As the cleric. Is. You would have just been traveling. You That's why you ended up at the tavern. So I'm assuming you would have kept traveling type spells to protect you from encounters. I'm assuming you're not carrying erase as your spell during travel. Exactly. I would have Or liked. read magic or potentially spider climb, but that's unlikely. That's what I would have wanted now. But okay. So uh, Glade says, Fear not. I am sure Alyssa will be back at home, safe, very soon. Uh, And Pixie is sort of looking around the shack to see if it looks like it's a shop of a blacksmith that is of any wealth. Okay. Or if it's just, this guy doesn't have a lot of money. Well, it is a a hamlet. It is, you know, a small village of maybe under 100 folks. So it is a a very crude blacksmith. But... um, Glades is, is not a. Uh, I'm sorry, Trixie is not Pixie. Pixie. Why did I say Trixie? It's not. A, it's not a hooker. That's right. It's Pixie. I should write that down. Pixie. Uh, Pixie is not a blacksmith, so it doesn't look very impressive. Uh, Pixie's not thrilled, but Glade dashes okay. off uh, to the trail, and Pixie rolls uh, his eyes and follows. And Glade, as a ranger, right, we've talked about the different skills that the different classes have, and one of the most important of a ranger is the ability to track. So what Glade is going to do is Glade, uh, while there's still some light, is going to search for tracks on the trail. Excellent. And so one of the things that characters can help the adventure is understanding their abilities, like we talked about in Episode 2. What abilities do they have? So rangers have the ability to track and uh, it says, outdoors, there's a 90% chance the ranger being able to follow a creature modified as follows. So 90 plus number of characters and how much time has elapsed. It hasn't been 24 hours. So I make a roll behind the screen and I go, oh, yes, uh, this because these are fresh tracks. You notice where the one trail, the normal trail, it looks like where Alyssa would stop collecting wood, there is a flattened grass and brushes that have been knocked away, and you estimate probably two or three creatures have gone this way and one was dragged. Am I able to pick up any tracks of the creature, so of, of how many, the size of the creatures based upon the length of the footprints, anything like that? Um, you know, it's, 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 you definitely feel like they're two smaller type creatures. Uh, Alyssa was a fair thing. She wasn't very big as well, so they're basically three creatures, it looks like. One was dragged... Um, and in fact, if you look, you may have found, it looks like you may have found the slipper of Alyssa. And you, you know, small, uh, 
peasant's daughter's slipper is found. Uh, but it looks like two two smaller creatures has has dragged a larger smaller creature. If that's such a thing, right. a larger smaller creature. And off the track, you said that's and right. And it's and is moving towards the west. Glade relays this information to Pix, exclaiming that I believe I found uh, where she's been taken. Uh, and Pixie really doesn't have much of a reaction, isn't very excited about any of this. Uh, Glade then very quickly, just inside the forest, mm-hmm. kneels down and thanks Solinar, uh, her deity, ah, for, for giving her the ability to track successfully. That's right. And then, cause, so, you know, I take this seriously that if you've got a cleric, I think your cleric should have a very close relationship with the deity. And so uh, that's why I did that. And, and in fact, because you were very successful, you feel like your training has that these were some kind of humanoids that has captured uh, that this, this is the sense of uh, like you've probably experienced in the borderlands where you came from. Uh, that's very likely that uh, these are humanoids tracks that you're following. Okay, so Glade is going to lead the way and continue tracking, hoping to find the location where Alyssa has been taken. Okay, so uh, after uh, the trail is very obvious, it's again, it's about 12 hours old, plus or minus, it's a day's track, it becomes, it starts getting to evening. Now, fortunately, are you carrying torches or are you going to go with infravision at this point? We are going to go with, so we're both, I've got an elf and a half elf, so both of them would have infravision. We're going to go with just infravision at this point in time. And maybe this is a good point to explain what infravision yep. is. Because quickly, it's, yeah. a lot of people think it's ability to see completely in the dark, but uh, right. at least in first edition, it's not quite that good. Is that, is that fair to say? That is very fair to say. And especially being outdoors, um, I normally if I was this was my campaign, I would have figured out what kind of moonlight there is. Again, that's the kind of flavor if you're creating a dungeon uh, and a campaign. And what a campaign typically is, is the world that your adventurers are playing in. And a module or an adventure is just one episode in this series or show known as the campaign. So um, depending on how much time and effort I've put into the campaign, I would know what kind of moonlight it is. So instead, I'm going to roll a 1d8 with a 1 being it's a full moon. 1, 2, 3, it has some moonlight. 4, 5, 6... Uh, it's, it's it, the rest of it's no moonlight or limited. So let's hope for moonlight. It is completely pitch black, and you know that's the fun of the randomness. So right, as a DM, you could have just decided it's huh. a new moon, a full moon, but you rolled it. And I, when I DM, I enjoy the randomness of that's it because right. I feel like sort of the story is leading me at times too, right? Which exactly. I think is a lot of fun. It is. It is completely <clears throat> without moonlight. It is okay. a cooler evening, so it's going to be a, tro- a it's going to be a struggle for you to traverse the forest, even with infravision at this point. Pixie says to Glade, "It's getting quite dark. Perhaps we should go back to uh, the tavern, right back to the Rusty Dagger Inn, and spend the night and pick up the trail tomorrow." What language are you speaking to each other in? Oh, we well, we're speaking very quietly. Number one, we would be speaking in. Elvish. Okay. So that way, good question. Uh, and if I could say that uh, my default for these two would be speaking in Elvish, if I don't tell you otherwise. Uh, Glade says, Glade's bothered by this. Glade says we should try to press on. Glade would like to try 
to continue to follow the track, perhaps by feeling out for broken branches, things like that. Glade wants to press on. Glade says, Pixie, there may not be enough time uh, to wait. Let's continue on. Okay. So he's going to give it a try. Because it's completely black and and it would be very difficult and the trees would not emanate anything... um, it would be extremely difficult to, I would give a very low percentage of following the track, and you would think in your ranger uh, that uh, Glades would feel like it would be very unsuccessful and you may get lost. So if you're going to follow the trial, you probably would need light to do that. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, Glade, recognizing this, is going to... Well, the first thing Glade's going to do before this happens... Pixie is, says to Glade, I'm, I'm skilled at climbing. I'm going to climb a tree and using my infravision scan the area to see if I see any creatures okay, nearby. So, so make a climb roll as a thief. And this is and now, how far up are you going to go? In the, you're going to find a tree. How big a tree are you looking for? I'm going to find a tree that I think would, a, a pretty high tree that I'd be able to scan Okay. Over the tops of the other trees, so probably the highest I can, that at least that goes above most of the other trees. And now this roll, my understanding is that many thief rolls, the DM rolls without the player knowing it, because I, if I'm trying to hide in shadows, I don't know if I'm successful or not. Right. But this one, obviously, I can roll because I'm going to know. The rule is, if I fall or not. Tell me how high you want to go up. How high do you want to get? So how? So well, so so tell me about the highest tree. What's well, the you probably height? find one that's at least thirty feet t- tall. Okay. Well, it, and I think I roll for every ten feet. Is that right? I want to go up thirty feet. Okay. And um, are you going to do anything extra to help assist in your climb? Um. No, I'm not. I do. I think. Well, it's a tree. It looks like it should be fairly. I don't mean to suggest it's easy to climb, but. Um, you feel very confident, yeah. unless you have a complete failure, yeah. uh, you should be able to. I'm not going to do anything. Okay. I'm not going to spend the time getting out rope and things like that. I'm just climbing. Okay. So I can roll? Yep. An 85. Okay. What's your ability to do it? Because I'm giving you a plus for that because you are climbing a tree as opposed to a slick wall. Right. My climb walls is 92%. Okay. So you were successful the first 10 people. Okay. Sixteen. All right. Unless you roll double zero, you will yes, be eighty-three. I'm up. All right. What do I see? So as you scan, and again, typically in provision sixty feet, but you're outside and you get a distance. Um, I'm gonna have to roll to see if if you see something. In as the somewhere again, uh, Glades has said the the path is going a certain way. Probably about half a mile. There may be some faint. Uh, glow that you may detect. So but it's, it's a haze almost. You're not quite sure. I'm not able to identify if it's multiple Mm-mm. creatures or not, and that's all I see. So that's correct. Could be a deer. Could be, that's right. Could be a hobgoblin. That could be a hobgoblin. About half a mile away. Okay. And I the if I have a torch, that torch, of course, is going to ruin my infravision. That's right. Correct? Yes. Okay. Um... I'm going to... I've got a choice here. So Glade and Pixie talk about this, and they decide that based upon the urgent nature, they unfortunately have no choice but to light a torch. How thick are the woods? 
Um, well, fortunately for it's it's sparse at this point. Another, um, you know, for the first 500 yards within the forest, it's you know a tree here or there. There's more underbrush than actually forest trees. But within another 100 yards past that, the forest gets quite thick. And so when you look, you're actually looking parallel to the line of the trees. Okay. And it's right at the edge of where the tree, the canopy, gets very thick. Okay, so uh, Pixie is going to, and I believe if I recall correctly from the equipment I bought, I I had a, a torch, one yeah. of us has a torch and a tinderbox. Uh, we're going to, and we obviously don't see any creatures around us now in the area. We would have picked that up. We're going to light a torch. Okay. Pixie is going to hold it. And therefore, Glade is going to try to continue to track. Okay, so standing behind to, to illuminate the path slightly in front of Glades. Exactly. Okay, so uh, it's about a 30-foot range uh, for the torch, if I remember correctly, as far as the light source. So, again, outside, uh, you may get a little bit longer. So they're about 35, 40 feet apart from each other. Is that fair? Yes, that sounds good. Okay. So you're going to continue towards following the path that uh, if, Glades had found. If Glade can follow. And I assume that in a situation like this, it's probably more difficult to follow the path, but Glade's going to give it a shot. So far, you know, the, the whoever you're tracking has made no attempt to conceal their, their uh, tracks at this point. Um, about uh, halfway through, it, she has to, uh, he, uh, she has to stop. It's um, because of the darkness, and the, she has to call uh, Pixie up because she's almost lost the track, got very close to losing it, so she needs more light, takes a little bit, uh, takes a couple minutes to reorient itself. The, the, the creatures are very light, and there's less, uh, less foliage to actually see the broken areas. Okay, so just for the background, what's happening is I rolled... Uh, um, Glades normally has a 90%. I said you got a bonus because these were small creatures within. I rolled a 91, so it's literally right at the chance of not being able to search. And then the second part is I rolled a random encounter. So in first edition, one of the things that is one of the standard things is the random encounter roll. And uh, so they're walking through the forest right now, and unfortunately for them, they've encountered some creature has, has spotted them. There's been a random encounter. So... I need to roll on the random encounter table to find out what exciting creature has just found them. Now, can I mention, so yeah. you know, yeah. you're definitely going old school here, it seems to me, because I see that you are opening up the Dungeon Master's Guide That's to right. determine the random, so you do not have a set list here of monsters that That's would correct. be appropriate that's right. Glade and Pixie to encounter in the wilderness. You're just going to do a random roll in the DMG, and so it could be something very easy to handle. That's right. It could be something way beyond Pixie and Glade's abilities, and uh, that's a lot of what one is about, isn't exactly. it? Is is if you run into something, you can't fight everything you run into. You're going to have to do some running. Exactly. So and there's no shame in that. So uh, I determined that the randomness of this uh, was a one to six. You can change as the dungeon master the likelihood by changing the dice. And this, so I use a normal dice. If I rolled a one, uh, that's when the random encounter came. Now I'm going to, in this case, I'm saying this is in a forest. It's uninhabited wilderness, so I'm get to roll and see what comes up. Mind the thickness, yeah. You're cut. You're right at the edge. Right at the edge. Yeah. No, you're not going to tell me yet, right? No, of course not. Okay, that would be that would be horrible. So, 
So now I know what the creature is, and now I need to figure out how far the uh, in, the encounter is from Glades and Pixie. Yeah, that's the first thing in an encounter is to determine distance, which often isn't done because right. if you're in a dungeon, you know the distance, right? You only have to roll for this random distance, as my understanding, in situations in which you otherwise wouldn't know the distance. Exactly. So, um, okay, so I figured out what it is. And um, so you guys are standing there. You were just trying to figure out the thing. Uh, uh, Pixie has gotten closer to Glades to try to help her figure out the path. Um, so roll d6. And I should mention, one of the smart things to do, I think, when you're playing is to mention things that your characters are doing. I think it would have been better for me to have mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. And James, the DM, gave me every opportunity to do that, and I didn't take it. James says, okay, so basically, Pixie's holding the torch, Glade's 30 feet or so in front. I should have, at that point in time, said, yes, at the same time, Pixie is periodically scanning to the left and to the right just to see if... He, uh, if uh, he picks up anything, we didn't do that. So you said to roll a die yeah. six. Said, I rolled a four. Okay, great. <laughs> Why was I rolling this again? Do I know yet? Why I'm rolling? You're this? not sure yet. Okay. I mean, I could Fair be enough. nice and tell you, but I'm not. And that happens a lot. The DM will say, "Roll a die." And you just roll it, and you don't know why you're rolling it. You don't know if high's good. You don't know if low's good. You'll find out. Right. Okay. So you hear about. Deeper within the forest, about a hundred yards, you hear a buzzing. That's a sound that appears to be coming closer. Oh, we both hear it. Both yes. Pixie. Oh, okay. It starts as a. Lo- I mean, you were guys were looking. Both your characters were looking down, and um, you 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 stop what you're doing. You hear in the distance. Okay, so I say to a glade, turns to Pixie, and whispers in Elvish. Put out the torch. Uh, my characters are not, How does one put out a torch? Uh, well, there's a couple ways you can do it. You have to tell me how you put out a torch. Oh, that's terrible, because I these people grew up with information I didn't. As, well, as I would probably say the easiest way would be into the wet ground and kind of stick it in the Is ground. the ground sort of wet? It's sort of wet, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's immediately what Pixie's going to do, is uh, follow Glade's suggestion, put out the torch, um... Okay. Glade, um, pick, Glade is going to rush back to Pixie, and they're both going to huddle down, crouching, listening, and looking. And I believe it's about two segments. It's faster than I always thought it was mm-hmm. for our eyes to adjust to the use of infravision after right. being exposed. It's pretty quick, right? So it's, yes. about, it's a few seconds. Actually, I used to think it was like fifteen minutes. But it was. A, it was. A, it's two or three segments. I think is that's what I would call it. a few seconds. It says, but if I don't, they may have adjudicated an official rule. We're crouching, listening, waiting for adjustment. Okay. With infravision, to hope that we can pick this up. So. Um, a few seconds later, you see a mass of what appear to be hovering creatures deep inside the woods coming towards you. Now I'm going to make a roll to see if they actually deter- see you or not. Okay. They oh, I rolled a three. You're very your 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 party is very. Are they lucky. just they, they appear and they're you, again. You're just seeing giant flying, and the buzzing gets louder and louder as it kind of comes by you within twenty yards and starts moving away. There was about 15 large creatures. 
Don't pass by. Don't ever tell me what those were because uh, I got to tell you, the the idea of not ever knowing is is more entertaining to me than uh-huh. knowing. So this is great. You know what? I, you know what? Pixie and Glade were going to do if those things came at them. Hmm. Run. Right. I you know. And you know, this is what I like about it too. Is what I like about the random roll and the DMG. Is I don't know what those things are. They could have been wildly inappropriate right. for our level. We have right. no idea. Right. No idea. Right. If, if you knew this had been an this had been an adventure where the random encounters had been set to the level, we'd be like, okay, we're standing here, we're ready to go. But I had no idea. Okay. So, Pixie and Glade. And remind me when we go over that over the, at the end when we do a quick recap some of my adjudication because I think this is the the art and and science of being a dungeon master because again depending on the type of style what you want to do but uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with what happened there okay great so after a few few minutes you the, the 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 buzzing and the sound dissipates it seems to you know again the you track it as far as you can your infravision then fails at some point because they can't they move out of range but the sound is gone the sound is gone yes so pixie and glade look at each other just sort of shake their heads we don't know what that was. Right. Basically, said, so, well, let's keep moving. Right. And so relight the torch, try to pick the track up again, okay. moving into the deeper forest. Are you moving at any faster speed or you're continuing to that speed? We're going to move as fast as we can that Glade is still confident of picking up the trail. So as fast as we can go without losing the trail. Not going to jeopardize losing the trail. Okay. So uh, you've picked up the pace a little bit. And in fact... Um, you know, as as you're continuing, because you are very nervous about. Obviously, you're not sure why these creatures, if if at all, how why they knew you were there, and you, you know, uh, roll under your uh, intelligence, both of your characters. Okay, and we would call this an ability check, right? right? So this is not in the rules. Actually, this is kind of 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 an evolution of when you need to determine some probability of something occurring that's not a natural skill. So what has come is if you roll under an attribute that seems appropriate, in this case, intelligence, I'm trying to allow the players, the characters to have some insight um, that they may have based on their uh, intelligence experience that the character, the player Dan, would not know. And you could modify this if you wanted right. to as a DM, right? You could say, and, and this is the only role, I, well, one, uh, not the only role, but one of the few roles where lower is better. Right. right? Because yeah. you want to be unequal to or under intelligence. So right. Pixie has a 17 intelligence, right. uh, and Glade has a 13 intelligence. So here goes for Pixie, a 7. So Pixie is successful. And Glade attend both are successful. So I mean, but you you quickly uh, talk in hushed tones, and you feel like the light must have attracted. You know, these are creatures. This is probably some kind of natural, or at least creatures that are denizens of the forest. And so you need to be very careful with the light source uh, that may attract others or those creatures again. Oh, I see. So Pixie and Glader. But without the light source, there's no tracking going on. That is, that is well, it's very, extremely difficult. We're going to risk it. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and this may be one of those situations where the DM is trying to give the players a clue. And, the, and I've been on this side, or the, the, the DM side on this one, the players just don't get a clue. Right. But I'm going to continue with the... i got to make a choice. We're going to continue with it, but we will be... But Pixie is going to continue to look to... I know it's quite dark, but we'll continue to look to the left and the right as they go. And we're going to keep moving with, okay. with the light. So after about uh, an hour... Uh, so we started this adventure roughly around 6 o'clock. 
Uh, now it's around 7 p.m., so it's it's now dark. It's it's what we would call fall uh, in this world. So now it's it's com- it's it's completely dark. More more. Let's say eight o'clock. It's been a couple hours. You talked to the blacksmith and did, did all that. Um, you you sense that. Um, well, let me roll here. Okay, so um, it comes into somewhat of a clearing as you get to. Um, you've kind of skirted between the forest and the open area, and now um, you uh, Glades realizes that the, the the creatures are not anymore in the forest, but they appear to be going to a clearing. You're at the edge of the clearing. The light is illuminating out at this point. What do you do? Can we see into the clearing? Uh, well, again, you only have a thirty foot plus or minus of oh. light source, so you know there's a clearing, um, but you don't really see anything beyond that. Oh, I see. So the clearing is, is it looks like to be a fairly large clearing, yes. really beyond what we can, and, and are right. we at right at the edge of it now? That's correct. Oh, okay. So, um... The trail continues to skirt, and it looks, so basically, you've been, here's the, uh, to the left of you is the, is where the blacksmith and everyone else is, the kind of plains. You're at the, you're in the, the, the transition between the plains and the forest, and now, instead of it continuing, there's now an opening, clearing to the basically to the right of you okay and again the path continues and path continues in other words it comes out and then it moves towards where the deeper in the forest at this point and you notice that some of the trees have actually been cut here that's the difference as opposed to the other places okay um Infravision is about about 60 feet yeah but i'm going to give you yards outside I'm going to oh. give you a little bit longer distance. It may not be yards, but it'll, I'm, I'm kind of saying but probably double or triple the what uh, distance. Okay. Um, I'm going to... We're going to put out the torch. I'd like to use our infravision. Okay. Pixie and Glade like to use our infravision right. to scan for a bit. So uh, hopefully there's a way to put out the torch to show some wet ground in the area without sure. setting a, creating a wildfire. Uh Put out the torch, okay, and and scan. All right, so, and let, and let me ask you this: so this clearing, could they go around? So each one could walk around the edge of the clearing, correct? Right. So what you have is uh, you're basically continuing this. You're going forward to the left. You is, is the plains that you were. That's where the blacksmith and everything okay. else was. Uh, instead of you notice that there's been chopped, the trees have been chopped, and it kind of goes the, the the part of the forest that was thicker goes this way. So, but the trail goes past and it goes into the more of the clearing area. And when you turn off the uh, infravision, um, and immediately you don't see anything. Oh, the torches, we don't see anything. Right, right. immediately. Because you're still... Oh, right, correct, correct, correct. All right, so we're going to wait our few seconds to adjust and okay. do we pick up any heat source? Because infravision is going to check up, pick so, up sources so, of heat. Right, so very in the distance, about 40 yards away... Uh, you notice two small, uh, uh, what appear to be creatures. And um, again, without seeing, because it's dark, um, you notice also a slight glow in the fr- in front and between them. Maybe it's, uh, and there may be some, it looks like kind of it's pulsing, at least from the distance that you're at, between heat and not heat. Oh, so two, I think, are creatures, and right. in between them... Something changing. Very light. Yeah, the temperature is changing. It's going from dark to slightly 
and it's almost oscillating, but not in a fixed uh, rotation. And would this be in the in the standing in the clearing? Well, it's it seems to be yeah, it's in the clearing, but at the edge of the deep part of the forest. In the clearing, but kind of like on the other side of the clearing. That is correct. So would Pixie be able to? Because Glade turns to Pixie and whispers and says, "You're the thief. This is where you. I've I've done this tracking." Now, we need you to do some scouting. Okay. And Pixie says, and turns to Glade, Oh, yeah, and what's the reward again for this? <clears throat> and Glade says, Come on, don't worry about that. What's wrong with you, Pixie? Mm-hmm. And Pixie, Glade wouldn't see this because it's dark. Pixie rolls his eyes right. and says, Whatever. <laughs> Pixie is going to try to... Move silent, right? That's a thief skill, right? Right. Well, hopefully, that's right. Hopefully, have, it's a, hopefully, it's a skill that will work. And hopefully, it's a skill that'll work. It's going to try to move silently, and I don't know if there's another thief skill is hide in shadows. Now I know it's dark, so it doesn't sound like there are any shadows to use. But so it want to move silently to around the clearing to get to a position where Pixie might be able to overhear anything that these creatures are saying. Okay. And Glade, just to let you know, Glade is going to get a pull out Glade's bow. Okay. Glade has a short bow and notch an arrow just to get ready in case anything happens. Great. And you're, so again, you're about 50 yards away from where these creatures are. Yes. And what is, so the range on a bow, you've got short, medium, and long, right? right, For the effectiveness. And the player's handbook, I believe, will tell me. And I believe, because those get converted to yards. Because we're outside. Everything changes when you're outside. That's right. So any of the... Short... Go ahead. I'll just say it says 5, 10, 18. So so, so you're right at short range at 50 yards. Oh, good. That's nice. Because that means... If it's short range, you get there's no, no penalty, no right? Penalties. That's right. In classic first edition. You don't get any bonuses. You just don't get minuses. You're in good shape. That's if, right. Yes. If you didn't die, you don't have any penalties. That's the flavor of it all. That's right. So you're gonna. What is your move silent? Uh... Yes. So Pixies. Is this really true? <laughs> is, is this from an old? Did I forget to erase this from somebody? I, this may be somebody else's because yeah. I erased this. I can't believe that I have fifty-two. I'm a level one thief. Yeah, I fear that this looks kind of. No, it's lightly I'm, written. I'm sorry, but yeah. based on first level thief, move silently when you're elf or a half elf. I'm an elf. Yeah, so you have a twenty percent. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think I use this. I didn't want to use it. What's new, your dex? This, my dex is. A 13? Yeah, that's right. Remember, because you didn't, uh, you put all your thing in intelligence. It's terrible. Right, so you have a 20% chance of moving silent. Yeah. And so... I what, probably gave you a bad score on my climb walls yeah, or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's probably the bard who was... You know, that's <laughs> yes, that's right. I think he's all been erased. That's, that's right. right. He was a ninth level thief. Yeah, that was... Now these things should, happen. Probably Pixie was fell 40 feet to her death at that point. But y- yes. This is, yeah, that's what makes it okay. Okay, so I'm going to roll to see if... Pixie is successful. Because you're not telling me if right. I'm successful. And now, can I ask you something about this? I'm right. silently. So this this is one of the thief rolls a lot of DMs like to roll on their own without telling the player. So I don't know if I've been successful in moving silently. If you roll really poorly for me, like let's say you roll a 0, zero 100, right. which would be terrible, would you tell me something like you step on a twig... Right. And you know, then you know. So is there a point in time in which you would say to the player, it's so obvious you're not moving silent? Right. You would you you would do that? I would do that. Okay. 
I would do that. Uh, I would, you know, hide in shadows is a different thing because you would not know. I mean, maybe at a hundred, you may somehow see your shadow on the wall, and you may go, "Oh, okay, that's a problem." But um, yes, I would give that information. And so, how far were you going? How close were you going to get to the creatures? How how close was I was going to? Periodically, I would stop and listen. And so, I would want to stop at a point in time where hopefully I can overhear something. And and at the same point, I'd like to know if I'm able to, when and if I'm able to get a better visual okay. of the shape of these creatures. Yeah, well, I mean, based on your, you know, your, uh, not a young, your, this, he, uh, Pixie's an elf, right? Correct. So for, for the last 150 years, you've been in the woods. So you probably need another 20 yards to get closer. 30, within 30 yards, you should be able to identify what Because I am, I am, the Pixie was a hunter, isn't it? That's Pixie right. secondary skills. That's right, secondary skills. So hunter. about 100, uh, another 20 yards you have to get to. So you're going to move 20 yards, skirting the, the edge, is that what I Pixie, Pixie is saying to himself, I can't believe we're doing this for a copper piece, probably. Right. And grumbles about Glade, but continues on. Okay. So after 10 yards of moving, uh, Glade's hears the shuffling of Pixie as, as he is trying to be stealthy. Now, maybe because she's a ranger, but it's very obvious to her, her that... She's hearing him disappear into the... But Pixie, of course, doesn't know this. Um, so, but now, would Glade be able to... So, what's the distance between Glade and Pixie They're and then Pixie to the... They're ten, there's 10 yards to each other and then 40 yards to the, the creatures. Okay. So, Glade is going to... Try, Glade is going to try to catch up oh, to Pixie... Now, I know Glade is not a thief. Glade is going to try to catch up to Pixie. Mm-hmm. It's coming behind Pixie and sort of saying, Psst, I can hear you mm-hmm. in, in Elvish, which I understand may make things worse. <laughs> so, yes, uh, in, in, in a ranger stealthy way, as opposed to, because there is no uh, move silent for rangers, and that's one of the interesting things. There's You, know, you always think of, back to... Uh, Strider and being ste- somewhat rangers being stealthy, but there is no uh, mechanical thing for that. But you you get to and uh, both both Pixie and Glades fixate themselves on the two creatures, and um, they don't appear to be moving, but you you don't know that for a fact. Again, you're too far away, and the center area appears to be a twenty foot wide distance between the two goblins. So there's must goblins. Be- Oh, exactly. They're goblins. I said it already. So, well, now you know. Hey, they're goblins, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and uh, it appears to be something. The oscillating. Now you've got a little bit closer. That it may be smoke that is coming out of something, almost an entranceway. Well, you notice that I had the player's handbook open. So what I'm going to tell you, I was about to do. I was about to do even before you. You said they were goblins, because when Glade catches up to Pixie, Glade. Says to Pixie, basically, where did you get your thief training? <laughs> you know, uh, you're, you're, you're so noisy. Right. Um, let me handle this. And Pixie's like, fine, go for it. I, mean, I, I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be back at the end. I'll handle this. Glade 
is I'm going to look up the sleep spell. Okay. Uh, uh, right. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That would be Pixie, right? So I'm yes. sorry. Glade is the I, I, Glade is a magic user. So um, um, Glade is going to say no, 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 no. You you need to, you need to use not your thief skills, which seem not to be considerable, but your magic user skills. You should cast a sleep spell uh, on those creatures. Okay. Um, that way it won't hurt them. But they'll fall asleep. So I'm going to look up the sleep spell because, of course, here what's going to be important is range. And let me go to first level. Um, the sleep spell is a wonderful spell. Right. It's it's. I, I believe th- the range is thirty feet. Thirty. Uh, it's it is plus ten feet per level. level. Right. So you're f- forty feet. Forty yards. No, it's, it's, it's yards, right? That's it's right. right. So forty yards because we're outside. That converts to yards. And how far away would I estimate they are? Forty yards from where you you intercepted when Glades intercepted Pixie. And, and oh, forty feet. Oh, so that's you know just because the DM says forty yards doesn't mean it's not actually it might be forty one. That's. I'm gonna try. So I say to Glades says to Pixie, move a little closer. Try to be quieter this time, and then cast. A sleep spell. Right. So yeah. that's what... So so Pixie is going to try to move a little bit closer just to make sure it mm-hmm. is within range. I don't like that right at the border. Okay. And then, uh, after moving up, hopefully not making a lot of noise, is going to pull out of Pixie's cloak a pinch of fine sand. Um, oh, it says... Oh, a pinch of fine rose sand, rose petals. It says, or a live cricket, so I can have any one of those three. Yes, you have to eat the live cricket, if I remember correctly. Oh, I don't... It just says, or a live cricket. Well... Oh, that may be some other... It looks thing. like I can have any of those. Yes. Right? And what I love about them is that they usually make sense. The cricket, I think, is because you think of, like, nighttime and yes, sleeping, like crickets. Crickets, yeah. Sand, like... Sand Sandman. Yeah. I don't know about the rose petals. Maybe a bath or something. Maybe Gygax liked... I don't know. There's Am I the only person who is entertained by spell components and likes them well, and wants to use I, you them? You know, and in fact, I didn't ask you if you where you got your spell components. I mean, that should have been the adventure, the search for the spell components. Search for the spell components. I, I apologize. But we're going to assume I have those? Yes. But well, yeah, during the off time, you, you thank you. those. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. Move up. Probably, made, you know, another, I'd say, 10 feet to okay. make sure I'm within range. Pull out the sand components... And this has a vertical, somatic, and material component. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of speaking. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do a little bit of motion. And with the spell components, and cast. It's only one segment. Right. So it's just six seconds. Cast, and, and the area of effect is special. Now, my understanding, this affects a certain number of creatures, right? Well, it's a 30-foot diameter area. Okay. Uh, uh, that's, right. That's the area effect. And then... Depending how powerful the spell goes off by the number of dice rolls, that's how many creatures get affected. So typically, uh, there's a couple ways you could do this, but the way I do it is, uh, unlike our session last time when the characters were just doing a bunch of things, and there's there's a whole conversation of when do, when do you call for initiative or surprise. Typically, uh, the way I do it is if a character does a hostile action, there should be some kind of role initiative. Regardless, there is no uh, Greedo shot first versus Han Solo. So in this case, uh, Pixie's attempting to do her spell. You guys are within range. You're making some sound. You're pulling things out. So I'm not going to say you... They, they'd appear not to know you, so I'm going to roll a surprise for them. 
Um, if they're not surprised, then it's initiative at that point. Okay, are you gonna, you're going to make some sound, and they're going to probably look over. They may not do anything. Well, I was going to ask if would you at this point also do another move silently roll? Because Pixie wasn't moving very silently. Is starting up again. I don't know, you know, how you handle that. If I continue to not move silently, or if, Pixie's not having a good day when she's pulling out her spell components. Yes. Her bag falls down. Oh. So we're going to roll. Blade is shaking yeah, her so head. You have to roll surprise just to see how many segments the other. You're not. Your your party's not be able to be surprised. But as a ranger, you get advantages to surprise. But I need to know how many segments the goblins may be surprised if they are. So they're going to be surprised. I'm going to even say on a one to four, which is exceptional. Oh, that's so. You know, so I'm going to roll for their surprise. Right. Well, well, I, well you're okay. rolling for you. Oh. you can't be surprised. Surprised. Oh, right. Okay. So three, okay. right? Two. So they are surprised for how? So they are surprised. Okay. And you rolled the three. So again, they are surprised for two six, three segments or two segments based on that. I forgot. Would you roll? You rolled. I rolled a two. My understanding is it's just based. The only time you do a difference between the two is if both parties are surprised. So my I understanding see. is they would be surprised for two rounds. Two, two segments. Two segments. That's right. Okay. So you're so because yeah. of that. They are, uh, even though you dropped, uh, Pixie dropped her bag and was fumbling around, she, uh, he got his act together. The you sand know. did not. Yeah, the sand did just fly everywhere. Uh, maybe she caught a few of it and then threw it down. Enough, yeah. What uh, a mess. Now it's, it's all over glades. Yeah. Now she's uh, in, in some fine powdered sand, but is able to cast a spell. Now you get to roll how many creatures are affected. So typically, um, there's a table within the, which, uh, page yep. is that on? It is on page 68 of the yeah. player's handbook. So just to make this easy, I typically tell the player to roll 44 and we adjudicate that up just in case there's mixed. Uh... So he's rolling 44, another exciting podcast moment. Nine. That. Total so of nine. nine. So uh, nine creatures of under one hit dice would be affected, is that correct? Yeah, up to up to one. Up to one. Up to right. one. So uh, goblins, uh, and, and now that you've moved a little bit closer, you recognize, yes, they are goblins, and you see them, they had spears, and they collapsed down to the ground. So, okay, so there was two of them. That you see, you see two of them. Okay, so do we see, any, we don't see any other... No, but you, it's now clear that that is an entranceway. There there were two doors that are partially open, and, and there appears to be smoke emanating oh. out, of the, out of the ground. It's like, oh. it's almost, uh, it's a raised area that has two doors open, and there's smoke coming out. Oh, so like they've, oh, they've come from underground. Okay, so... Then Glade turns to Pixie and says, Nice job, Pixie. And Pixie says, Of course. And Pixie and Glade says, Come on, let's go check them out. And Glade starts moving into the clearing toward the goblins. Pixie follows. They're going to come upon them, and we're going to search them. Okay. So you search them. Looking around. And, and Glade is going to say, I'll search them, Pixie. You keep an eye out. Okay. So Pixie's going to be watching and scanning 360 degrees. Okay. So to, to search them, how, how long are you going to take to search them? Uh, not very long. I mean, we're looking for probably just about like 30 seconds okay. each, looking for keys, anything like that. Well, they appears to have one small little pouch and they had their, they had their spears that they were holding. That's what you see with 30 seconds. You quickly search them. They have a little pouch. Okay. Um... Each has a pouch? Yes. Okay. Um, stick the hand. So Glade's going to stick her hand in, in each pouch. Pierce, they feel like coins. It's, you know, it's dark out. There's no, there's no, sun, there's no things out there at this point. So Glade turns to Pixie and says, look, money, are you happy now? And Pixie says, well, I'm 
feeling a little better about things now. Can we go? And Glade says, yeah, you mean down the hole? And Pixie says, no, back to the inn. We've got our money. And Glade says, no, we've got to find the daughter, Alyssa. Alyssa needs us. So um, Glade, again, rolls uh, his eyes. Uh, Pixie rolls his eyes. Glade doesn't see that. So no light source. Right, just yep. a, but but you but we can. So how do we know that? So how do we know that there's a door there? We can just basically does it seem to be open yeah, or information? Well, basically, that make it the, out? basically, as you get closer, I now you know that there's these double doors that are that are ajar, open. They were open. They were pulled open, uh-uh. and so you you now and the steam is kind of emanating around the doors. So steam. What's the source? Steam, of the steam? is smoke. It's coming from the ground. Coming uh, oh so the 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 doors are slightly ajar open almost like a fruit, a fruit cellar yeah but these are larger doors and they've been open ajar um, they're they're made of nice stonework so um, there must be some kind of uh, uh, pneumatic mechanism to keep them somewhat open they it should be yeah. closing but they are slightly open so this is very finely made uh, construction and there's smoke emanating from there. You know, a light whiff of smoke. Some kind of smoke or fire underneath is, is causing the heat. That's what you guess. Right. And now it's been a couple of minutes since uh, you, you've cast your spell. Oh, thank you. That's right. So would I know how long this lasts on you, these creatures? You would know that. Uh, well, uh, so Pixie would know that. Pixie. And how long is that? So About five minutes. Oh, okay. So Pixie turns to Glade and says, Glade, this spell's not going to last long. These goblins will be waking up soon. And so, can we go off the record sure. here for a second? Because I think this is always an interesting issue. The killing of creatures. So, now my understanding is that a ranger, right, the perception ranger by many is that the ranger hates right. humanoids, right. right, that they should be killed. There's nothing wrong with this. Uh, Pixie's chaotic neutral. Pixie probably has no problem with this. They're definitely goblins. Yes. Right? Can I ask you now about the setting? Like, you know, if you're running a game like this, mm-hmm. is it possible that you would have sort of different approaches to this world and this campaign? I mean, are go- goblins... So I run a campaign, as you know, you play in it, uh, set in the city-state of the Invincible Overlord, where you actually have goblins working in the city, right? and it's a, it's a very unusual dynamic. Um, is this more your classic right. AD&D that you're running here, where goblins are bad, right. goblins are evil, killing a goblin, if you're good, no problem? I, I would say, at least for, for Glades, the fact that she was making decapitated figurines of humanoids. I forgot about that backstory. Right. Um, I would be very concerned if she allowed the goblins to live. Got it. Regardless of that. I mean, you, you, they, you, you have surmised in old, kind of like Old West Justice that the daughter who was innocent was brought here. Uh, goblins are known to do that. Yeah. They'll do it again. Right. Right, if we, they're not... We do not need to bring this to the magistrate or the town elder. Um, you have been given permission by the local authority, which was which was John the blacksmith. You have no, no other authority that the, you must rescue the daughter at any cost. This is a the, uh, terminate with extreme prejudice. And so, uh, you know, now I would say that would be the, the kind of default for the ranger. Got or it. Or for, for Pixie. I, you know, you I could, could play it as I want. That's right. 
So Glade is going to say, when Pixie says, they'll be waking soon, this doesn't last long, Glade says, they won't be waking. And Glade pulls out, let's see, I assume Glade has a, uh, a long sword, short bow, and dagger. Okay, there you I go. did. Is going to take out the dagger and cut the throats. And I know there's a rule, I think, on how long it takes right. to slay a one, sleepy. One, one creature per round. Okay. Is going to cut the throats of each one and says to Pixie, "You take. The, I'll take this one, you take the other. Okay. And Glade pulls it out and Pixie says to Glade, oh yeah, and I'm the one with the problems because I just care about money. Uh, this is mildly disturbing. That's right. And Glade is going to kill one and and Pixie says, well, you can take care of both of them. Right. So simultaneously you kill them. You uh, Both Pixie and Glades uh, do a coup de grace on each of the sleeping uh, goblins uh, ending, their, ending their lives. In the meantime, uh, let's see. And so basically with the infravision, like the light source just goes out. That's right. Time. Eventually they start just, fading out. That's right. Okay. Uh... As you are slaying the two goblins, um, Pixie, as he's finishing off the goblin, a spear lands within five feet of him. And you both look up and you see another goblin appearing out of the forest uh, and had just thrown a spear. So now it is initiative. Got it. So what, and do we do, do we declare action? For, yes, if or, you're casting a spell, you would need to declare action. Now, and, and at least give me a general idea of what you're planning to do. Now, unfortunately, Pixie, as a first level magic user, has basically exhausted. That's right. She's, she's her one spe- his one spell he's for done. the day. Um, and Glade, oh, and, and Glade just has the cure light one. So no, so Pixie and Glade are both going to jump up and they are going to engage. They okay. will rush toward. This what they believe is a goblin. Yeah, this. I mean, the, the goblin was in within forty feet, forty yards of them. So at the basically where you were, that's where the goblin. Got it. Came. And the spear's been thrown. So yes, okay. they're going to turn around and rush. So as a dungeon master, I'm calling for initiative because there is no surprise. Uh, the they threw the. I, I could have tried to do a surprise against the players, but basically the uh, I get the the. The goblin was uh, took advantage of the fact that Pixie and Glades were busy uh, ending the two goblins on the ground. Uh, he took the opportunity to throw a spear, and um, and and he, he does do make a shriek of some kind of goblin. I think one of your creatures speaks. Uh, one of your players' characters. Speaks oh, the elves, yeah. Right. So, so you know, Briark kind of thing. <laughs> Briark got it. All right. So I've rolled a three. I've rolled a six. And in first edition, it is party initiative, right? That's right. It's party initiative. So there is one goblin, and what he is going to do is he starts and turns and runs back after seeing that he was not successful in uh, uh, slaying one of you, turns and runs back towards the forest. Oh, we're chasing. Okay. So Glade says, let's go, and Pixies grumbles and... Follows. Okay, so you're chasing them. Now, there's whole very advanced rules in uh, this, but basically the way you can rule it is, what are your movements for each of your characters? And this would be based upon, it start with the armor that we're that, wearing, right? And, of course, and of course, encumbrance, which I'm sure you figured out uh, in the off time. I have not. Um, it's a pixie is wearing... What le- game are we playing, Dan? This is yeah. first edition. The way it was played in the 80s, no one did, right? That's the way. <laughs> 
with encumbrance. <laughs> what? I still don't understand the encumbrance, no. magic armor issue, and all that. But okay, whatever, well, it's been explained that, to me be, in many serious. times. When, uh, two, when two rules collide. Yeah, but I do something. not have. I do not have. So just, leather armor. Okay. And um, oh, what armor was uh, Glade wearing? I don't know. You probably didn't buy any armor. I probably didn't buy any armor. So you don't. So you're. Easily uh, moving very quickly. So I have no armor. Yeah, no armor. That's <laughs> Did right. Did you buy armor? No. no. Okay. Good. This yes. is my advantage. That's right. Why would a ranger have armor? So you're, so you're moving at 12, assuming you don't have any... And pixie too? Leather armor? Yeah. Pixie's got like nothing. Yeah. It's a spell book. Yeah. So, and what's her strength? Spellbook's bouncing His around. Strength. Pixie's a 12. Yeah. So you oh, got... and Glade's a 50. Yeah. So you are uh, clearly... So you're twice as fast as the god. Oh. All right. And you know, and Glade says, "I'll go to the right. You go to the left, Pixie." Yeah, you go around. So they kind of do the Velociraptor thing. Yes. Kind of, and okay, so uh, I'm going to say after a round, you are now both Pixie and Glades are to the side of them. So let's roll initiative. Again. Right. So we're like on that blob. Right. So we're, you're on it. A two. A one. one. Yes. Okay. So you are now. So each of you have ended up right next to the goblin. Oh, I didn't tell you. So all right. So I. So Pixie. Who's also a thief, right? Is going to pull out a long sword. Mm-hmm. Glade. Oh, I've got two long swords. Glade is going to pull out the long sword. So two long swords coming down right. on this hapless goblin. So who's going first? Let's go, Pixie. Okay. So the goblin's armor class is six, and Pixie is a thief magic user, correct? Right. Is an elf though, right? That is correct. So you, with longsword, you get plus one to hit. I did not know that. Where is that coming from? From the player's handbook. We did this last episode. Because of the... Because uh, of the natural racial ability of being an elf. You get plus one to swords. Longsword. And tr- I had forgotten and, and that. Yep. And I know, is the ranger going to get some benefits because this is against a goblin? Only on damage. Only on damage. Okay. Yes. It's a 14, 14. for Pixie. I believe that's a hit um, because against... But again, with being a thief, I didn't have my fancy wheel that was coming out of Dragon 74, which would be my suggestion if you're going to run this and not use any fancy uh, computer tech You can still tools. find those on eBay, I yes, believe. I bought one right. on eBay. Or, or you, I think the PDF is flying around. So you're a thief? I'm a thief. 14. Thief. Four, AC6? Uh, it's a, The Goblin's AC6. You needed a 15, oh. but you rolled a 14 plus but, one because you're an elf, so you hit. Yes. All right, and it's a long sword. Is that one to eight? That's one to eight. Correct. That's a D ten. All right. Thanks. Sorry, that's true. You're keeping me honest. A three. three. Okay, so the goblin normally has one to seven hit points. So uh, I'm basically going to just roll a D eight, and with the eight not counting. Okay. One, one hit point. The goblin has one hit point, and Pixie. Upset with just the her his inability to do thieving has thrust the sword and ah, can I ask if, can I have Glade would they have gone at the same time oh, yes. Glade roll yeah. two because yes. this is important this is, if Glade missed and Vixie is the dynamic right. here between them this is a two that's right so Glade is just so Glade swings over the goblin's head but uh, Pixie's strike str- hits true and the goblin shrieks. And collapses to the ground. And Pissy looks up and says to Glade and Elvish, you almost hit me. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and uh, all right, so um, cleans off. I don't know what we cleaned off with. Yeah, the, the blackened blood of a goblin. Pixie takes the long sword and wipes it 
off on Glade's uh, cloak. This would be probably a good time to end our session for today. We've got uh, adventure, right? Interaction, some some uh, exploration. So what happens next time? They Both characters realize they may not be as prepared for the trials of combat. All their training, while they thought they were prepared, the thieving didn't work as well. And unfortunately, uh, Glade has decided that armor is optional for her, for, for her profession. Glade so. may have to take a trip back to the blacksmith, uh, to the town, and Will there find be enough some time? armor. Will there be enough no, time? No, there's not going to be enough time. Will- Glade's, Glade's going in. That's right. Well, so and these are some of the ch- moral and uh, strategic conundrums with that. But I think this is a good stop. This, and we can kind of we'll go over uh, the major components of an adventure with this, and we'll probably we'll pick this up next time. We'll do a little bit of adventuring, and then we'll talk about each of the main components of that. Can Glade fit into goblin armor? I uh, know. I have to see. We do height and weight. We'll have to see. Uh, okay. They are foot four. They are four foot tall. So you may five, be able to five. Th- yeah, it's it. You it's may be a little able, tight. You may be able to fashion some armor with it, maybe a padded armor equivalent, but I wouldn't give anything more than that. So yeah, you may. All right, so you may want to think about that. Okay, I think that's when we pick up. Yeah. Glade is going to be trying to fit into goblin armor. Okay, and I'd like to see how that goes. I'll, I'll, I'll see if it's a really fat goblin. I have to do height weight for goblins. So I need to look on the internet, see if people have come up with tables with that. Okay, so we leave the adventure here. What will Glades and Pixie be successful in saving Alyssa, the John's daughter? Will the goblins or are there more goblins in the forest that will see the dead their dead compatriots? What other horrors lie beneath the open doors? All right. Very good. It's exciting. Thank you. Damn, that's, well, that's great. I, hopefully everyone got a feel for that. So our next segment is Word of Recall. Word of Recall. Recall. Do you recall what your first adventure was in AD&D, and, or at least some memories of it? I don't, but I have a story about that, and I'm, I'm very unhappy that I don't know. So I remember who ran it, mm-hmm. and I reached out to this person on Facebook. Oh, really? But okay. they didn't respond. Hmm. And I asked them. Do you know if they're alive still? Yeah, I oh. think so. Okay, yeah. sometimes people, you know, Facebook's been around long enough. People may have, we're, oh, we're of a certain it. age at this point. We can't assume that people uh, on Facebook are still alive. That's a, you know, that's a good point. It's disturbing, but it's true. Because I reached out because I remember quite distinctly going over to his house and playing this game. And I think, like yourself, I came from a wargaming background and I was just mesmerized by the fact that there was no board. Right. Uh, and I don't remember the event. I'd love to know. I'd love to know. I think it may have been basic. Is that the one that had the... Uh, I remember a dragon on the cover. Mm-hmm. I think it was a box with the dragon on the cover. And That's you got right. the wizard of the blue. I think. I don't know. I think I may have started basic. I'd love to know what adventure was. A keep on the borderlands. What was it? Um, but so, no. I, I, unfortunately, I don't know. Do you know? Yes. I, I do recall. Um, you know, I came... I grew up... Uh, north and moved uh, down south. I visited my grandmother in the south, and uh, my cousin was here, and him, some of his friends played. I'd never heard of the game when I was up north, and so we went over, and I was given a character. I remember it was a thief, because it sounded good to me. We are going to steal stuff. It was like an adventure game. And I had already played some Commodore 64 computer games, so are you getting a picture of my life? Dungeons and Dragons, computer games, uh, rock, metal. That's it's, it was the age. It, How old it, were you? What year were we talking? Uh, this was 1982. 19, yeah. So I was about 12 years old at that point. 
You're young. Uh, yes, I was very young at that. No, moment. you're you are young. Oh, thank you. You I, are young. You're well, a young guy. Yeah. Young to some. Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be turning uh, fifty this year. So, um, anyway, fast forwarding the. Uh, it, what, what made it interesting was they. It was during the summer. We came. I came down for summer vacation, and the dungeon master, who's, who was a friend of mine for a number of years, he, uh, we were in a contest. It was some kind of almost weird tournament, and he had a bunch of random tables. And it was basically you could wager your life, or you could wager a certain amount of money, and then uh, he he would roll um, that your thief would have to do an art project versus. You know, and you'd be randomly paired up with other uh, compatriots. So it could be a, a picking pockets or it could be uh, writing a musical score. And so it was kind of fun, this mixing and matching. It was very gonzo, but it was a lot of fun. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So uh, one of the characters had a half-orc assassin and he had to do an, uh, a musical contest against a bard. And it was very Bill and Ted's excellent adventure trying to go against death kind of thing before that thing. So I, we did it for hours. It was silly and stupid, but it was a lot of fun. And then the next, the official, first official one was like you, basic, the, uh, the red box that had Keep Along the Borderlands. And we'll talk about some famous modules and our perspectives of that. Um, when, another friend up north, when I went back, ran... Uh, played that and and just the thing of playing a video game, but having all the freedom to do things was just amazing. So, are you still in contact? <laughs> the guy who ran that first adventure, you know, guns, because I haven't talked to him in about fifteen years. I'm not a I'm not a social media guy. That's one of the things that I'm very leery about with this is to do social media just because the, the time and effort is. But you know, if we're going to build a community around this this game and this time period that we love, all the games that came here, I'm going to need to. And get over that. It's going to be great is if he, he could run a like a reunion game. Run that game yeah. again. I mean, the I'm mean, sure he still has it somewhere. 35 right? years somewhere. later, I still... Right, 36 years later, I still remember that. So, um, you know, that's going to be... This uh, Word of Recall is going to be a recording feature because I think part of what makes uh, First Edition uh, is, is not only the, the power and the longevity of the game, but what we got out of it. Suggestions. So, Dan, I know uh, you've been a big fan of Judges Guild, so maybe you can cast why Judges Guild and what it is and some of the products that you've, that you've seen that you uh, appreciate from that. Oh, we're still going. See, I thought, they, I thought we were done. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm yeah. glad. All right. A new segment. So, Judges Guild. So, uh, back in the day in the 80s, uh, to me, TSR was, was D&D, of course, and, and all of their supplements and their modules, uh, the only ones we played with, that I recall, were from TSR. I was never familiar with any of these third parties who made adventures like Judges Guild. So the fact that I've gotten back into it now, for whatever reason, I've uh, gotten more interested in third-party adventures, I think because they're ones that people don't know about. And, you know, it's if you're going to run an adventure, and, and I, but I know you're running against the Giants, which is a classic, and it sounds like it's going very well, so it certainly can be done. Part of the concern I have is, does everyone know them? So I've been running a lot of adventures from Judges Guild and other third-party makers, and, um, you know, I, I think that... And they were a separate company, right, basically? Yeah, so my understanding of Judges Guild is that... They, Bob Bledsoe, went to uh, Gary Gygax and said, look, I've got, I'd like to 
create adventures. We'd like to do supplementary material. And Gary Gygax didn't think that would be particularly profitable and said, have at it, and gave a license to Judges Guild. And Judges Guild just started turning out lots and lots of material with campaign settings like the Wilderlands campaign setting, which had the city-state of the Invincible Overlord. So, Which is where we're playing in your game. Yep. And um, lots and lots of modules and lots of supplemental material, you know, they did character sheets, uh, they took over, you know, they, they had the Judges Guild Journal, if I recall correctly, they took over the Dungeoneer, which was, you know, Jayquay's uh, uh, magazine, and so just started generating tons and tons of supplementary material. And I think the, the reality is some's good, some's not so good, so it's a bit hit or miss with the Judges Guild material. Uh, we haven't not we've not yet gotten to the levels in our party in the campaign I'm running where I've been able to run some of the really classic judges guild adventures okay. like Teagle Manor uh, is talked about a lot. Uh, some of the Janelle Jayquay's adventures, Dark Tower, Caverns of uh, uh, Thrasia. Haven't gotten to those yet, but I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, I think that's a nice thing about getting back into the game is discovering that there was a lot more out there than just keep on the borderlands and, you know, some of the, uh, you know, Secret of Solomar, some of the classic adventures that we went through. So uh, discovering, I was going to say rediscovering, but it's discovering it anew. Yeah, we were talking offline and before the podcast and that, you know, for me, I assumed Dungeons & Dragons started with the Player's Handbook or the 1978-79. And there's you know a number of years before that, the original D&D. Um, and it really only until recently where I wanted to understand the history of it. It's, it's you know, you're, you're trying to not... Nostalgia comes in two forms, right? Reminiscing, but also understanding the context of, of the things that you liked and, and realizing that there's a whole history before that. I, I, and, you know, it's interesting. My kids, who are now, uh, some of them are in their mid-20s, you know, they look back to the 90s and, and kind of see their beginning there when actually there's obviously things before it. Uh, we all have that kind of... The world started when we paid attention to it. So uh, Judges Guild, I found very interesting. And, and you know, we're going to need to do some research on the milieu of how they got... Because the city-state of Insul Overlord is so antithetical from the way Dungeons & Dragons started to be played. Particularly in the later time when it's very heroic, high magic, epic events this is a very gritty weird kind of uh uh homage to new york city almost you mentioned uh the city state yeah new york city in in the the 70s yeah i I think i so we've played a fair number of od original dnd adventures Mm -hmm. i've used those right so we we were just going through one the other night uh, a publication from a company called we warriors we're doing the dwarven glory uh, apparently, the first standalone module ever was from We Warriors, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Palace of the Vampire Queen. This is a, the second one, uh, Dwarven Glory. And we've done other OD&D ones, too, from the Dungeoneer magazine in the 70s. And what I've realized, and the city-state was, was the 70s, is so it, it is very sort of gonzo. You know, you've got the pixie running the, the thrift shop, and you've got trolls you know, working in the city-state and goblins working in the city-state. And these creatures would be typically monsters. They would be evil and, and would not be in civilized area. That's what makes it unique. Yeah, and, and you know, what's interesting about it is, is, so my experience looking back at these older ventures is that what people say about the different approaches to the game is true. And what's great about it is, 
you don't ha- adventures allow us to get insight into how the game was actually played at certain times. Yeah. So if we're going to play an adventure that was written in 1977. You're going to you're going to get an opportunity to see exact experience exactly the way it was played in 1977 and I think that's amazing. I think that's wonderful and I love that learning experience. And so what they say seems to be true. The older adventures seem to be what they call very money hall. The amount of gold pieces and treasure is is amazing. Everyone's walking around, even the monsters with plus two swords. Uh, I think that uh, it's called sort of random. You know, there's not always a lot of backstory. It's very thin on the plot. It's left for you to fill it in if you want to. And I actually believe that that's sort of the gonzo approach to the city-state, which is, you know, you walk in and, and there's a troll that's, you know, the barmaid, or, you know, I think, you know, you guys went into a place, I think, you know, it was Delphi's Delight, where there was guy, there was skeletons were serving right. you. Skeleton bar- uh, waiters and waitresses kind of thing. I, I believe that a lot of D&D players want that, actually. They, they're not bothered by that. Even, even the gang from the 80s, like myself... That doesn't bother them that much. I think players like to be a bit gonzo mm-hmm. at times. And so I think some of that, I think, and this is probably a whole other podcast, but I think a lot of the way the game was played in the 80s was a bit gonzo, even though it wasn't supposed to be gonzo. Players played it kind of wacky and gonzo at times. Um, it's a game, and people enjoyed it that way. Right. And so, uh, yeah, but so it, it, it's been a lot of fun seeing the different adventures from the different eras, though. I like, as I mentioned, I like a bit of a bride. I'd like to get to something from the 80s, so I've, I've done a lot of what, 70s stuff. If people want to get Judges Guild, how have you been getting the material for that? Yeah, so eBay's a wonderful thing. You know, okay. so the ability to get older adventures. I mean, the, so the good, the bad is that a lot of these adventures can be expensive. Yeah. The good news is we're now in our late 40s and our 50s. Right. You know, people talk about, well, it was cheap back in the day. Yeah, but in 1980, right. I had an allowance right. of like $2 yeah. a week. Right. Now I, I have more money, and so I can afford it. eBay is a wonderful source. There is places like... Um, uh, there are online sources. Drive through RPG. I know. Uh, thank you. Drive through RPG. Right where you can get you can get a download of a lot of PDFs, um, and a lot of these older adventures are available. And the great news about it, I mean, a lot of them you can pick them up pretty cheaply. Yeah. On eBay. Okay. Well, that's something you gotta try out. So, um, kind of wrapping up for this session. You know, part of the reason we're doing this podcast is to promote GrogCon, which is coming up in October, right? It's the 11th through the 13th. Is that correct? That is correct. That's right. So 11th through the 13th. So um, GrogCon is going to be part of Crucible 8, which is a a convention that's done in October. Uh, So we're going to have a a large room for for, uh, old school gaming, basically anything pre-1985. So we're looking for folks who are interested in playing. We're looking for folks who want to submit games that they want to be either playing in or, and we're also obviously looking for folks who want to run games. Um, so if you're a traveler fan, top secret, you know, give us, give us a list of things. So if you could go to info at grogcon.com and tell us, give us your email so we can put you on the mailing list so you get more information. Um, if you want to run a game, we'll obviously give you some consideration on the cost. We would love to talk to you about what kind of game you want to run. We're going to be, uh, we're having next month a meeting with uh, 
the Crucible folks, and we'll have more information over the next few weeks. But there's going to be Friday games, Friday evening, Saturday, and Sunday. And um, so we're looking for folks who want to run. You know, it's kind of like if we know what games are running, that will attract people to play. So I know Dan and I are running. A couple of our friends are going to DM. But we certainly want people from all over, if they're willing to come down uh, to the Orlando, Florida area to do this, would be great. Um, we got our first review, Dan, on iTunes. We're, we're, we're official. We have a review. Is it, is it, is it from you? No, Did it's you not. you do the review? Your no, son, a wife? Right. Well... Uh, I'm not sure. It's Jordan one two three four seven eight nine. So well, I'm nervous. To... Uh, what is it? Is it is it, is it bad? It's five star. No, I learned a lot about first edition gameplay. Jordan one two three four seven eight nine. I think it's super interesting hearing about how they played when it first came out. Would love to hear more personal D and D stories from back in the day. So we, that's why we added this word of recall uh, thing to remember where we are in the past. How do people even find it? Well, if you go to iTunes um, and you type Dungeons & Dragons or, in our case, Grog Talk, it will be the uh, podcast that you find. And and over the next week or so, uh, we'll be adding this to Google and a number of the other podcast aggregators as well. You can also, if you want to go directly to our website, grogcon, G-R-O-G-C-O-N dot com slash podcast, you can actually see all the podcasts that we have. Um, I'm thrilled someone's actually listening. I actually just enjoy coming and talking and if no one listened i get a kick out of just just doing grog talk right well i appreciate that we're having a great time with this but you know and i think as uh, people hear this uh we're gonna we're gonna definitely do some episodes about uh the type of other games that we're planning to play at GrogCon. so that's why we need the feedback from you all when when you're what kind of games you're gonna run so i also wanted to mention uh we had a we had a guest player at your session right mike Yes. Uh, do you remember Mike's last name? I don't recall. Oh, I don't recall. I think it's Holcomb. Holcomb. H-O-L-C-O-M-B. You're never sure on the meetup if that's their last name or not, but it's Mike Holcomb. I'm Dan Gromansky. That's right. That's right. Know. That's right. Absolutely. I swear. Exactly. And I'm just James. I don't have a last name. I couldn't afford one. <laughs> he couldn't even afford a fake last name. Yeah. So he came and we started talking about Grog. He's like, oh, well, we do a convention. He's from uh, he's from Wisconsin and he, and he leads the Chippewa Valley Geek uh, convention and his his uh, website is Chippewa Valley uh, where they have a podcast both of actual play and they talk about the conventions and their convention is the Clearwater Con it's in uh, Eau Claire Wisconsin is that I think it's believe Eau Claire, Eau Claire is how it's me. pronounced Eau Claire I that's believe. right and that's June 28th of the 30th uh, it's called Clearwater Con you can go to tabletop events and if you're in the Wisconsin area, I'm sure uh, he had a great time based on his feedback. And That's sh- what he told us to our face right. anyway. I, we'll see the review on Meetup. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have students who, they'll tell me, I loved your class, and then I get a terrible eval. That's right. Like, really? My professor, zero, can I give less than one star? Right. Can so, I give you know, Right. So. Um, but his uh, meetup.com slash cv-rpg, I'm sure if you're in, the, in that part of the Midwest and you want to play, basically he was... In town, he looked up Meetup to see if playing uh, D&D, and he saw our game, and he sh- showed up. And I think that's what's really so fascinating about this time frame, that you know that it was always a challenge to find people to play or a number of people. Now you don't have that situation. You'd be in any city. You look up Meetup or social media, and you can find a game with that. So um, please review uh, and subscribe on iTunes. Again, there'll, there'll be other platforms. We're going to set up uh, – we have a – 
uh, Facebook homepage, which we're going to work on. We're going to have Twitter. And in the future, we're going to set up a YouTube channel. We are actually videotaping this shenanigans and tomfoolery. And we'll probably start doing live feeds of this so people can see it as well if you want to participate and make this more interactive. Um, And probably in the future, we'll do a Patreon because just from the fact that um, Dan and I are working on uh, some uh, modules for our tournament, which we have here in Florida in June, we'll talk about that. And um, we would be also willing to run a game for folks. So uh, until next time, I'm James. And I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to Grok Talk. This is Big Apushi Puppy Production. All rights reserved.